ever walked out of a mall into a huge parking area and realized you'd forgotten where you parked your car? How much money would it take to make you spend a night in a cemetery? Would you display this as a trophy? Do you have a pet? Do you have a sweet tooth? Do you believe in the power of a curse? Have you had your hearing tested lately? Planning a trip soon? Can you remember the tallest man you've ever seen? Do you love to go a-wandering beneath the clear blue sky? Have you noticed what big stars real estate agents have become? Are you careful with your personal records? Does your computer ever seem to have a mind of its own? Have you ever visited a Chinatown section in a major city? Have you ever visited a flea market? Welcome to Twitch of the Death Nerve, a cult movie podcast that takes a deep dive into a different topic each episode. Our wide-ranging discussions will touch on genre, culture, and the history of psychotronic cinema. I'm Charles. I'm Sam. And I assure you, dear listener, Sam and I are not creatively bankrupt. We have a pretty ambitious slate of episodes planned for the next several months, but due to scheduling conflicts with some upcoming guests, we decided it would be fun to reach out to our friends and listeners on both Patreon and Instagram and mine all of you for content questions we can answer on the show i know this is sort of the podcast equivalent of doing a clip show but uh here we are i don't know i used to think that but because i've started reading so many random newsletters on substack a lot of the people who have written newsletters also do these kind of like solo podcast things and I've started to get kind of addicted to their Q&As. Yeah. Like, they're just really fascinating, the types of questions that people will ask and also the way they choose to respond. So the more of them I've read, the more appealing this has become to me. And we got so many good questions. Some insane ones, but <laughs> but we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's going to be fun. And I think we got... Well, we definitely have a lot of questions, and I don't think we're going to get to all of them in a single episode, so we'll probably carry this over into our, our happy hour on your Patreon. But yeah, let's fucking do it. Let's get, yeah. let's get, let's get into it. No need to chit-chat about nothing. Or, I don't know. Like, you see any new movies lately? Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, first question from the Patreon from Bradley Patrick. This is to both of us. What was the first movie you remember growing up that truly scared you? For Bradley, it was It from 1990. Hi, Georgie. Do you want the easy, fun answer or like the real answer? Me personally? Yes. Oh, I want the easy, fun answer. I, I hate reality. Okay, the easy, fun answer is The Shining, which mm. I watched when I was maybe 12 or 13 babysitting Halloween night. So it was like I got there and the kids were already asleep. And so I just, you know, put on a movie in this dark house and it was The Shining and it scared the hell out of me. Wow. What, well, what's your real answer? My real answer. That felt like a real answer to me. That was real. Well, 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 what, let me hear your real answer so I know what you mean. So when I was a kid, I was really afraid of spiders, which mm. I conquered a few years later because it's just irrational and ridiculous spiders are our friends they can bite you and kill you sure but they're still our friends all right hollywood pictures and amblin entertainment present jeff daniels honey we're in the living room we need you to kill a spider and john goodman Dover McClintock infestation management Ooh, my god it's just a spider would anybody object if i tore this floor out i would false alarm then lead on there's no spider here every so often in a little town somewhere 
There is a health scare. There's a rumor going around that some kind of spider might have killed Sam Metcalf. There's no spider here. I think one of your Venezuelan spiders hitched a ride here. There may be some spiders around here that are very dangerous. Dad, chill out. Just run. They spread out from a central nest in a web-like pattern and dominate the entire area. When that happens, this town is dead. Better encourage my private stock. Uh, when I was like seven or eight, my horrible, abusive mother basically forced me to watch arachnophobia, which like when you're a little kid, it's not a comedy. It's scary. Yeah. And so that movie scared me so much that I don't think I've seen it since then. Wow. But I know that it's a comedy and I know it's something I would really enjoy. Yeah, we should watch it. It's great. But like it was an awful experience. So when people were like, oh, yeah, arachnophobia, like it's a fun horror comedy. I didn't think they were telling me the truth until I realized like, wait, this is not a scary movie. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's really horrible <laughs> which is why i said do you want the fun answer or the yeah. real answer it's funny how how your fun answer was like the real scary movie and your real answer was like the fun movie but like the memories are just you know wrapped up in oh totally you know, trauma and fucking demon <laughs> shit uh, uh what about you okay so my fake answer is not a movie when i was a kid i would watch snick every saturday night on nickelodeon that was like the teenage thing where they had ren and stimpy and roundhouse and shit remember wow i forgot about that yeah i i watched it all the time i loved it but like my favorite thing was was are you afraid of the dark and that that was was scary and there was this one episode and i don't i don't remember what it's called i'm sorry i didn't fucking dig but I'll, i'll give you a little plot synopsis there is this girl and she wants to date this boy and they're in high school and there's this big dance and to like make herself like kind of irresistible to him i think this like you know evil witch or wizard or whatever it's been a while since i've seen it he gives her this like potion she has to make it and stuff and it's got like hair of cat and all oh this i was stuff gonna say it. is this some hermione granger shit where where she turns into a cat yes uh, <laughs> she's like running away from her prom date because she's like feeling herself like change and she goes to the locker and she like drinks what she thinks is like the antidote and then like the boyfriend runs up to her and she looks at him and she turns into a cat and it's not scary but i screamed like i like screamed out loud and i scared the shit out of my sister because she didn't realize that something scary she thought like something was happening to me like there was like something crawling on me or like i was having an episode or something like she thought there's something wrong and it was just this awful are you afraid of the dark special effect where a girl turns into a cat and it like fucked me up okay but the swimming pool episode is oh that is one's genuinely the scariest truly i uh, agreed agreed i didn't take a bath for a long time after <laughs> seeing that but for for a movie that actually scared me when i was a kid again it's so hard to actually figure out like a first time being truly scared by a movie. I feel like a lot of my deepest fears were movies that I hadn't seen. Like I was so scared of Freddy Krueger and A Nightmare on Elm Street growing up just from going to the video store and like looking at all of the box art on all of them and like looking at the back covers of all of them. 
And I had nightmares about him for years before I ever even saw one. Like, it was the scariest thing in the world to me was Freddy Krueger. And I didn't even fucking know why. I really miss the feeling of being a kid and, like, reading a one-sentence synopsis or looking at a poster or a VHS box art. And that's just enough to make you scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this question from Luke Field is, what compelled the move to New York and do you have a favorite theater or place to see movies up there? So I, I think we should maybe clarify that we're not new to New York City. So you've lived here before. I interned here. I've been coming here since I was a kid. So I think part of why we moved here is because we both really love it here and have a lot of favorite places already that we got tired of commuting to visit. Yeah. And also, I think just practically, you know, Philadelphia can be great. It's not a movie city. There's it's, no fucking movie there theaters there. There are barely there. any movie theaters. And it just, it's gotten really expensive. The drug issues have gotten really depressing. And so I think we just needed a change. It's like we're not really paying that much more in rent, but no. there's so many more opportunities. And like job-wise, if I wanted to further my career, I I had to either be here or LA. Yeah. So what's favorite movie theater here? That's hard. So obviously I love the spectacle in Brooklyn, but I really really also love Lincoln Center, which is, you know, Fancy Upper West Side, kind of expensive, but I've just seen so many great retrospectives there over the years. That's where the New York Film Festival is based, and it just gives me this like special feeling every time I go there. Yeah, I definitely want to second the spectacle. I love it. It's like a scrappy little micro cinema, and they play the weirdest shit. Like, shit, like I look at what they're playing, and it's like, I don't know what this is. Let's go, you know? And every Sunday they do. Fist Church or Blood Brunch, they alternate where it's like a mystery kung fu movie or a mystery horror movie. And I just love it. We're, we're members, so we just go in and fucking see whatever they got playing for free. Or not for free. We pay to be members, but it's awesome. I, I love the spectacle. But I think my secret new favorite movie theater is the Roxy. So yeah. I, I, for some reason, pictured this as being some like super classy joint. I mean, it's the Roxy. It is, it is a classy joint. But like the movie theater they have in the basement... It's, like, kind of dumpy and, like, I don't know, very charming. I really liked it. I, I didn't expect it to be, like, I don't know, like, feeling so homey to me. I, I liked it. We saw the Devil's Honey there. And yeah. we, unfortunately, we missed. They were playing Waterworld on 35 millimeter, and, and we didn't get to go. I'm very upset about that. Uh, that's definitely one of the big, I guess, problems of living here is there are so many incredible theaters that – you kind of have to like make a schedule and juggle what you want to prioritize. Uh, I also want to ask a follow-up question from the Death Nerve Instagram from uh, Zombievish is their handle. Their question was, what are your first impressions of film culture in New York? Oh, shit. Yo, can I, can I jump in? Jump in. All right. The audience is very self-aware and self-conscious, I feel like. I feel like a lot of times... They feel like they need to be reacting. They need to show that they are respecters or I don't know. Like there's like this uh, this feeling that people need to be fucking doing something in the theater. Like I don't mean like looking at their phones and being like annoying like that. But 
I mean, don't get me wrong, like fucking watching movies is sort of my personality, you know, so I, I, I get it. But I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes I hear people like laughing or like, you know, exclaiming something in some way. And it doesn't feel genuine. It feels like they're doing some it's kind of performance. performance. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I'm also a little judgmental piece of shit. So like, don't listen to me. What do I know? I mean, for me, I think the thing that I'm most impressed with about film culture in New York is it seems like because there's just such a wider breadth of things screened here, audiences are more receptive to more things. Like the amount of shit I've seen at Lincoln Center, which like a lot of the people who go to Lincoln Center are wealthy Upper West Side people. But I've sat next to rich 70 year olds and watched exploitation movies on 35 millimeter and like they seem down yeah the only i would say crowd i don't really like is like the alamo and nighthawk and like people who are yeah oh sometimes my god loud Dude. and chatty and and yo i'm gonna i'm gonna talk a little more shit so these fucking movie theaters where like they're serving you like a sirloin steak with like truffle butter on it while i'm trying to watch a fucking movie and you're just like no truffle butter in the movie theater jesus christ man i mean <laughs> and 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 like okay so i will say that like the alamo draft house the the food runners that are in there they're like little ninjas you know they're fucking pros like they're quiet they're zipping around they're fucking gone you don't even know they're there and they're dropping your shit off like i kind of respect that but not at nighthawk at the nighthawk they're just fucking walking by like oh did you want ketchup and i'm like yo shut the fuck up i'm trying to watch stop standing in front of the subtitles get the fuck out of here oh my god you can't even see the subtitles in that theater there's like no angle going down so it's like there's always a head in front of you yo fuck the nighthawk Uh, don't tell anybody i said that no, there is great programming. It's <laughs> there just is. I know. Like, we, we, what like, do you want to put up with in yeah, terms our, of the audience? Our favorite guy in the city, Grady Hendrix, is doing like Sundays on Fire there where he plays this like sort of mystery Hong Kong movie once a month. And it's like unfucking missable stuff, you know, like Chinese ghost story, yeah, just, prison on fire. Yeah. Bullet in the head. I mean, this is why we moved to New York. Yeah. We moved to New York <laughs> so we can watch great movies and complain about the fact that we can go watch great movies. We're fucking we're the assholes here. I, I mean, we, uh, New Yorkers love to complain. I know. So well, we're joining the party. Yeah, uh, lo- so. our, our final New York question, just to kind of get them all out of the way, is from Creature Beach Records. What's exciting film-wise in New York? And aside from just the sheer amount of incredible things, to me, the really exciting stuff that's coming up is Kiju Yoshida is having a retrospective at Lincoln Center and Japan Society. I think some of you will recognize his name because he's one of the most experimental of the Japanese New Wave directors. He made Eros Plus Massacre. He was a communist uh collaborated with his wife on a ton of things and so that's what i'm most excited about coming up in the next few months what am i excited about honestly for me it's mystery screening spectacle. that's it like i i like not knowing what the movie's gonna be i'm a real sucker for that seeing what hong kong okay okay really what it is is it's like you look and you see what movies are playing on 35 millimeter and it's like a wednesday and it's like you know, the French Connection 2 is playing and The Shining is playing. Like, which one are you going to go see? And it's just like, oh, this is so cool. Like, all the time there's something playing. Like, The Mummy is playing on 35mm right now. Which one? Wait, hang on. Which one do you, do you want it to be? 
It doesn't involve Brendan Fraser or Boris Karloff. Ooh, baby. <laughs> or Christopher Lee. So many mummy options. Yo. Somehow or another, they struck a print of the Tom Cruise mummy movie. Oh, for and fuck's sake. I forgot about that one. I'm just kidding. It's the Brendan Fraser one. Oh, beautiful. He throws a chair at a man. Shoot, I love that movie. <laughs> a plus. Yeah, Billy Zane's great in it. <laughs> Shut up. Do, do not disrespect Arnold Vosloo on our podcast. All right. I got a question here. This one is from the Instagram from Dog Faced Films. Uh, the question is, stalked by my doctor episode when? Hi, Sophie. How are you feeling today? Thank you for saving my life. What was he doing? He was just changing my bandage. Was there a female nurse present when he was doing that? Mm, no. Should there be? Yeah. I just love you, Dr. Beck. You know, sometimes I get the feeling he's like hitting on you or something. What? I can't socialize with my patients. If I do, I could lose my license. Hi, Sophie. Can I talk to you? What are you doing here? Dad, he was looking at me like he had a crush on me. We should get a new doctor. How did you know I like this kind of dog? I just saw it and I thought you'd like it. Did you tell Dr. Beck that Sophie collects dolls? No. The only way he would know is if he's looking in my bedroom window in the middle of the night. I think we should get a restraining order. And ruin this guy's career? It's natural for a patient to idolize their doctors. I snuck out. I won't tell. They make up fantastic scenarios about his fantasy. I haven't heard from my boyfriend and I'm kind of worried about him. You need a new boyfriend. Ryan said that you tortured him. How's this feel? you as her doctor thank you for operating on her heart but you need to stay away from her i can't wait to be away from her you'll be free soon enough stupid bitch i mean okay hang on sam what is this what is what what is he i don't even know what, what is this it's exactly what it sounds like eric roberts plays a doctor and he stalks some of his female patients throughout a series of like eight films i think seven are these like Hallmark movies? Oh, yes. I Wait, th- were they really? I think they're Lifetime. Oh, shit. Okay. They okay. might be Hallmark. Well, no, no. Uh, Lifetime is kind of what I meant. Yep. Hallmark does the stuff where like there's a dog that can talk to walls and is dying. At you Christmas. Know, at Christmas. Yeah. Okay. So not to throw you under the bus here, but I feel like this is more on you than it is on me because I tend to enjoy punishing myself with watching lots of movies for research for just one podcast episode in a way that I think you don't because you have a healthier (laughs) work-life balance than I do. But I would very much like to do a Stalked by My Doctor episode, except I think many people in our Discord will be angry if we don't watch all of the films. All right. Well, don't want to do that. Don't want to make anyone angry. Yeah. I guess I'll watch eight stalked by my doctor movies as eric roberts okay hang on a second eric roberts is in all of them but here's the thing i know eric roberts the way he works is he films himself in his room at his house talking to the camera and then just sends it to the director and be like here you can use this for no no he stars in them if you want okay all right yeah i'll do that i like eric roberts is this going to hurt a little you can't just leave me here you're a doctor i'm off the clock what you just said kind of reminded me of another question. Let me pull it up real quick. Uh, from Scott on the Patreon, is there a difference in how you watch movies for fun opposed to how you watch them for work and research? This is for you. This is a good question. I think yes and no. So on the base level, the way that I watch movies for work and for research is I think about them critically the entire time I'm watching them. And I will often 
watch a movie in chunks. So I'll watch like an act or a scene and I'll pause it and take some notes and then watch the rest. Whereas when I'm watching movies for fun, ideally I don't have to have my critical brain on. And this can be like an all day movie marathon where I'm not doing work. I'm not thinking about work. And that doesn't mean that sometimes I won't like get excited about a movie and my critical brain will just turn on, which is fine. But it's like the goal of watching movies for fun. It's it sometimes can feel like a burden is too strong of a word. But when when it's like I have stuff due for four different Blu-ray companies and I'm trying to write a book and I'm, you know, doing things for Vinegar Syndrome and doing things for the Patreon. And I come in and I'm like, yo, baby, it's fucking Halloween four time. Here we go, you know? Yeah, it feels kind of nice. This is just for fun. This is not an obligation. I don't have to have thoughts about this. I can just watch it. Yeah, Halloween four is a piece of shit, though. I know, but like... I mean, when I'm really, really burnt out, I watch absolute garbage. Like, yeah. I catch you watching the worst shit. I'm like, how are you doing this to yourself? It's like I kind of have to sometimes. Like made for Netflix. Oh, yeah. Especially at Christmas. Oh, I yeah. watched the Sex and the City movie recently. It's one wow. of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but but it's like this is an example of when I was really depressed in August, I watched all the Twilight movies and it was like just what I needed because sometimes if I watch like good movies for fun, then it will make my brain want to start a new project because I'm so inspired yeah. by the movie. But like I'm never writing anything about the fucking Twilight movies. I for like the longest time, like many, many years ago, I didn't watch any horror or genre movies outside of screenings. Like I just went to see them when they were on 35, Exune was doing something and I would, okay, oh, cool. Now I can finally watch this movie I've been sitting on forever. And I still kind of have that mentality a little bit, except I also, I really only watch movies if it's research for the show or if it's a marathon, a marathon that we're doing, a screening we're going a, to. Yeah. Like I really like it to be an event when I watch a movie. Like I'm kind of jealous of the people who just like power through movies like you and like I mean I'm sure most of our listeners they're their movie heads they're like real ones where I just like I want it to be a fucking like there's a reason we're not watching Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer 2 Mask of Sanity you know because it's Tuesday night and we're bored it's like no we have three people coming over and we're pairing it with Sex in the City 2 exactly <laughs> You know, like there, there's there's a reason for it. You know, I I really like that. And like keeping the watching of movies to be sacred. I don't expect that from anybody else. But like that's that's kind of how I am with it. No. And I, I do think that makes it feel more special. But I also have a lot of respect for someone like Maeve, who is in our discord, who I think watched 500 movies last year and keeps trying to beat her letterboxed number which is just so impressive all right all right all right from christopher corbin green from sam's instagram what is the most obscure film you are trying to find and watch so i guess i have sort of two answers here i'll give one answer first and i'll see if maybe you are echoing my second answer. So my real answer, 
I tried very, very hard to find this movie called Adolf und Marlena, Adolf and Marlena, for my World War II book. It's an Uli Lommel film that is impossible to get a hold of. When he was alive, I actually reached out to him and said, hey, how can I see this film? And he was really, really nice about it, but basically said, if I want to see it, I have to go to this one archive in Germany that's the only place that has a print. And so if anyone ever sees a copy or a screening of Adolf and Marlena, and it's basically a World War II comedy that reimagines what would happen if Marlena Dietrich listened to Hitler and came back to Germany instead of telling him to go fuck himself, which is what she did in real life. And it sounds amazing. I've built it up in my head, but I'm, I, I hope somebody unearths a print one day because I just, I need to see Kurt Robb in yet another amazing starring role. All right, I know what my answer is. That's a great answer, by the way. A, a real serious film that's like lost to time. Mine, uh, not so much. My answer, 100%, is Lewd Lizard. Yes, that was going to be my second answer. From 1979. Okay, when I first heard about it, we probably talked about this on the fucking show before, but... It has the greatest plot synopsis of any movie. All right, let me, let me read you. Let me serenade you dear listener, with the letterboxed synopsis for Lewd Lizard. A young suitor loses his girlfriend to a wealthy businessman. At first, he's angry. Then, in a fit of depression, he goes to the seashore where he finds lizards. Immediately, he puts the lizards into a bag and takes them home. Then, he becomes obsessed with ladies' dirty underwear. (laughs) Underwear. And he steals six or seven tainted ones from public restrooms and brothels. At this point, the man mixes the juices from the underwear with a special aggressive compound and then injects the fluid into the lizards. The little reptiles, now hooked on love juice, become soldiers in his personal battle against females. I hate women, he screams, holding helpless victims' legs apart, allowing the little creatures to gain entrance. Best plot synopsis ever. Lots of women die, driven mad with a sexual ecstasy and pain, while the misogynist psycho howls with laughter. Just like, fucking A. So I I, I do have a copy of this movie, but it's just... It looks like it's so fuzzy. Yes, I mean, we're going to watch it at some point, but like I keep just like putting it off in the hopes that... I don't know. Someone will restore Someday, it. Someday, somehow. Because we're living in a I, golden I, age. <laughs> we are, but I kind of have a feeling that Lude Lizard's one that's just like... We're going to have to watch. Well, okay, yeah. so I thought the same thing about Pituitary Hunter for a while, which the version of Lude Lizard that's available looks like the version of Pituitary Hunter we watched, where there are these burnt-in white subtitles that you can't always read, and like sometimes they disappear below yeah. the frame. yeah. But, like, it's called Lewd Lizard. We know the synopsis. Know. Do we need totally accurate subtitles? Uh, I'm a purist. I know. So, sort of on that note, I have a question from Instagram user Nughuffa, which is, <laughs> which reminds me so much of Heffalumps and Woozles. But uh, the question is, what are some of your dream Hong Kong releases? And Ooh. definitely Lewd Lizard is on that list. I would say for me, I would love to see a beautiful restored Shaw Brothers horror set 
We've been kind yeah. of getting some of them piecemeal, but there are enough to do like a robust set with tons of special features. Also, Nocturnal Demon. Which one was Nocturnal Demon? Nocturnal Demon is the one with Moon Lee where there's a serial killer stalking them. Oh, yeah. And well, Grandpa has a thing of... Oh, the formal, not formaldehyde, but um, the thing that knocks you out when you put it on your face. What's that shit called? All I can think of is laughing. Chloroform. Chloroform. Yeah, he, he's chloroforming everybody <laughs> just for fun. Just because like, oh, no, like I need a minute to myself. So I'm chloroforming it's, my wife and my grandkids just so I can finish watching the, the game or something. But it's like <laughs> Nocturnal Demon. That movie was so funny. Is that the one that had like the like sort of like house? They were like doing an exorcism in the house and they like call in a priest. It has and, everything. Oh, man. That movie's so good. Our, our dear friend Bobby showed that to us and said said nothing about what to expect and we will have to have her on an episode wait was that a bobby movie or was that a john movie i'm fairly sure i think it was on the day that john also made us watch uh lolita vibrator torture oh and and possessed two that was a great marathon oh possessed two needs a hong kong release yeah Oh, hell yeah. It's honestly like it's really hard to answer that because so many of these movies that i love are coming out or are like in the pipeline to come out and like i didn't even know did you were you saying that pituitary hunter got a release i think it got a restoration oh that's cool yeah oh, I, I would love hopefully to watch someone that will again. correct me sometimes i'm not always as up to speed as some of our listeners who you know I think must go on some forum and see if the rights of something has been purchased but from what I remember hearing, I think there is a pituitary hunter restoration. Okay. And from blastocytosis, blastocytosis? That's a great name. He's great. We love him. Wait, blastocystosis? I don't know how to read. <laughs> blastocystosis. Yes. Okay. Uh, they ask, when will Stalked by My Doctor get its due <laughs> on the podcast? When will the Stalked by My Doctor series get its full episode? Get ready for surgery. I can reach in that chest of yours. And make that heart do anything I want it to. So to be fair, one of those questions was to me, and one was to the Death Nerve <laughs> Instagram. I got two. I got two on the Insta. Like, uh, there's at least three or four people have asked about this fucking stalks on my doctor series. We've also had people ask on the Discord. We all gotta right. do it. All right. All right. All right. Um, flea marked our dear friend Clon Waldrip from the late list scene and a bunch of other scenes. Oh my god, he's, he's a zine machine. Uh, flea marked Clon asks. What's the best Rob Zombie movie? <laughs> what other metal folks should become horror directors? Sam, what is Rob Zombie's best film? I mean, come on, no, don't, don't, no need for a deep explanation. Let's just, let's just hear it. You know, like an ink blot test. Devil's Rejects. Wow. Okay. Cool. And my other answer: nobody right now in metal, or I guess we could. Co- so okay. Do you don't even know what metal is? Yo, well, metal is corn and static X. Yeah, come on. Jonathan Davis makes some movies. There you go. Yeah, the corn <laughs> you guy. Call it, you could call it uh, Children of the Corn with a K. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> All right, my favorite Rob Zombie movie, Jesus Christ. I remember I genuinely liked Devil's Rejects when I was a kid. I, yeah, like, I saw it in theaters, and I was like, damn, that was hard. 
You know, like that was that was serious. That was a serious horror movie, and I like really liked it. Uh, and I haven't seen it since. And I just know in my heart of hearts that it's it's no no bueno. But I probably House of a Thousand Corpses. I mean, it was fun. Yeah. Well, I remember like the House of a Thousand Corpses was him doing Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then Devil's Rejects was him doing Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, where it's like. The people who got killed in the first movie, their, like, crazy cop father is now chasing after the family. But Devil's Rejects doesn't have the comedy elements of Texas Chainsaw 2. Come on, let's go get in. Mom, a clown. Yeah, yeah, a clown. Uh-huh. Oh, hi. Hi. I'm going to have to be taking your car today to have some top-secret clown business that supersedes any plans that you might have for this here vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> What's that about clown business? Last <laughs> stutter, bitch. Yeah, this is just clown being mean to us. It's it's funny. I I do have a serious answer to the second part of his question, which was what other metal folks should become horror directors. I personally would love to see all of the Slipknot guys come together and jointly work on a remake of Fulci's like golden cycle do you want me to kill myself right now i would love to see also slipknot isn't really metal this is why i struggle with this question because neither is solo rob zombie could you imagine if the slipknot guys all jointly worked on the beyond and then house by the cemetery and then gates of hell quitting this podcast i think that would be awesome i think that would be a film event okay all right i'm i'm taking over here wait hang on I i got a better answer i got a better answer uh, who's the guy in Limp Biscuit who looked like he was cooked up in a Hot Topic brand Easy Bake Oven? Wes Borland. He's the best member of Limp Biscuit. Yeah, I would love to see what he would do with Bava's Black Sunday. Right. Okay, I'm taking over. All right, moving on. 70s horror movies wants to know, and this for me was probably the single most challenging question because it, these just make my brain short circuit. Top 10 horror films. Like, of all time? Yeah, okay. I guess. You go first. All right. All right. Top 10 horror movies. So, so here's the thing. I, I have thought about this question every second of my waking life from the ages of 13 to about 23. For, like, that decade, this was all I thought about. It was all I talked about. I was constantly, like, reshuffling things, like, making sure I got the order right, you know? And I felt, like, embarrassed that I had, like, oh, there's three Romeros in my top five. I need to, like, you know, sneak a carpenter in here. And I was, like, trying to, like, you know, fucking get it right. But I haven't really thought about it since then. Like, since then, it's like, yeah, whatever. You know, I like whatever movies I like. I'm not going to, like, rank them next to each other. But uh, for the sake of the question, what the hey? Uh, Sort of in order, or sort of in uh, descending order. Uh, Reanimator, The Haunting, Kill Baby Kill, Vi, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, Creepshow, Evil Dead, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh... Uh, Gates of Hell, Dawn of the Dead. The uh, Dawn of the Dead, then Gates of Hell. Uh, f- fucking, they're they're in a endless battle for number one. But that's that's kind of my descending order. Ah, fuck, I don't know. That's it. That's it. Okay, so what I did, because I cannot make lists like this, I basically wrote down the first ten great horror movies I could think of. So here we go. Number one, M. Number two, Eyes Without a Face. Three, Dawn of the Dead. 
four, the terrifying Spanish film In a Glass Cage, five, The Untold Story, six, New York Ripper, seven, Cure, the Kiyoshi Kurosawa film, eight, Rabid, nine, Abominable Dr. Fibes, 10, Blood and Black Lace. Wow, your list is way cooler than mine. I would be struck by lightning if I didn't put Bava somewhere on that list. Yeah. So Kill Baby Kill, I've only seen once. It's so and good. it just immediately was like, holy shit, this is like the perfect Bava movie. Wow. Okay, cool. All right, all right. What else we got? I think maybe a related question from Eyes Wide Shut Up, which is... <laughs> such a good username what's the definitive giallo according to the strictest definition Ooh, well giallo just means yellow so what's the yellowest movie you can think of okay i I would say uh that uh that canadian movie enemy where jake gyllenhaal has a doppelganger that movie's yellow as fuck so there you go Right? Maybe maybe some piss fetish movie. Yeah. That's probably oh yellower. yeah, water power or no? That's not. Oh, that's a little piss in that's there. That's definitely brown, not yeah, yellow. Yeah, it's browner. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, that's a brown film. Okay, so Blood and Black Lace is the first official Jalo, but I think if I was gonna introduce somebody to the genre and give them an example of something that I think is definitive according to the rules, it would be Bird with the Crystal Plumage. In the Hitchcock tradition, the bird with the crystal plumage. If you think you are being followed home from this movie, keep telling yourself it's all in your mind. From UMC. So, for some reason, because I'm not the biggest Jalo head, I think my answer would actually be Tenebrae. Because... No. Well, because Tenebrae kind of like... It doesn't quite veer into self-parody, but it it's a bit more knowing of all of the tropes. So it, it kind of turns all of the tropes up a little bit. You know what I mean? So all of the things that are like very quintessentially giallo with like twists and turns, the black gloved killer and like the score is just like cranked up to 11 in that movie because it's being a little cheeky. So it's so obvious to see, like, oh, yeah, that is what makes a giallo is, is this and this and this. You know, Tenebrae to me is, like, a very quintessential one because it is, in a lot of ways, the very last one and the, like, most, you know, in on itself and in on its own mechanisms. That's a wild answer. Yeah. Oh, whatever. I mean, Tenebrae is one of my favorite films, so it's not wild because I don't think it's good. It's just... I don't know if I agree that it adheres to the uh, super essential rules. What is your... Oh, this is from Jake Riddell. Uh, What is both of your favorite pieces of physical media that you own? I think there's a clear answer here for me, which is the Zatoichi box set, partly because it's amazing and partly because it's one of the things that I got when I visited the Criterion Closet, which automatically you know gives it a lot of sentimental value as well i barely have any physical media i really do i got a bunch of vhs tapes that like have survived so many moves and it's like probably my copy of devil and miss jones i really appreciate that thing i like that we have two slightly different big box versions of devil and miss jones in the house so i like stopped buying shit before blu-ray came out like during the dvd world i was like all my discs keep getting scratched and they won't fucking play 
and I was just like, yo, fuck this. Like these discs, discs are trash was what I thought. And I was like, fuck this. They, they're, they're like so easy to break. Tapes, on the other hand, they never go bad. <laughs> Little did I know that they were like, you know, just disintegrating. Yes. Like five years <laughs> away from just rotting away into nothingness. I, I'm, I'm a fucking pirate. I, I download everything. I do. There are things that I wish I owned for sure. Yeah, I can think of tons of stuff I wish I had. But I mean, I, I actually don't. I don't. Because I... Because you would rather go see it in a theater. Yeah, I'd see it in a the yeah. theater or I would just download it. I know I was just talking shit on uh, physical media here, but we got a great question. Okay. This question is from Who Saw Her Die? If you could form your own label and put out your top five dream titles, what would they be? Now... I would have immediately said Attack of the Beast Creatures, but the good folks over at AGFA uh, put that out earlier this year. They beat me to it. So my answers are Raped by an Angel. Hell yeah. The Kiss, The Devils, Lucky Encounter, and I just learned about this recently, and I'm absolutely obsessed. Apparently in Taiwan, there's a series of Zadoichi knockoff movies starring a Shintaro Katsu lookalike. Whoa. And they have, like, the craziest plot lines. Like, he's getting into, like... Hang on, let, let me pull up one of one of the plot lines real quick. Did you say The Kiss? Yeah, so The Kiss was this the Canadian movie that we watched. I, I came in, and I watched the last 25 minutes of it, and it was fucking insane. It was crazy. Oh, okay. And I was like, holy shit, what is this? And I realized, like, hey, this is absolutely going to be found and picked up and put out on disc. So I'm just going to wait until that happens. Yeah, there's one where he fights the flying guillotine. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's called, I have to see this. It's called A Sword Renounced. There's no way to watch it. I can't find it anywhere. Uh, it's it's a real dream to, like, see these Taiwanese Zadoichi Naga. And the guy looks just like him. Like, he's a spitting image of Zadoichi. It's so cool. That's so... That's, like, such a crazy... I don't want to call it industry, but subgenre, these lookalike movies. Like, I get the yeah. Bruce Lee ones... But it's just incredible that there are more. Yeah, I mean, Zatoichi was just so huge. So, I mean, I, I, I get it. And, I mean, of course, there's like a million Cat 3 movies that I would love to see on Blu-ray. But also there's the part of me that does love how, like, dirty and dingy the, like, fuzzy copies that I have of them are. Me too. Yeah, there's something special. I mean, it, it feels like when I'm watching them that I'm, like, doing something forbidden or illegal. Because it's like, oh, this isn't... As it should. And, and I remember there was this one I was watching. It was like, it was so funny. It was like a really shitty one. And during every sex scene or like nudie scene, the characters would like have a conversation, but there would be no subtitles. It was like the translator. Gave up. He gave up. He was like covering up his eyes and just like refused to acknowledge the important job of translating this dialogue <laughs> was in these crucial scenes. Uh, all right, what are your, your five movies that you wish would get a Blu-ray release? Okay, so predictably, I cheated a little. Number one, so Ken Russell, out of all the major directors, I think has been most neglected in Blu-ray releases. Yeah, I had The Devils on mine, and I've never even seen it. Oh, uh, what? Yeah, I mean, that's of course, that's why I wanted to come out. I mean, I'd love to I want to so see it. So there is a, a British Blu-ray that I have. Oh, shit. But... It needs a U.S. Blu-ray for sure. And the British Blu-ray did this weird thing where the cut, like Rape of Christ scene, 
like you can't watch it as part of the movie. You have to watch it as a separate special feature. I think it might even be on a different disc than the movie, which is just fucking wow. stupid. Warner Brothers are insane. But my number one release would be sort of like a Ken Russell greatest hits box set. Like the way Criterion has done some of these like director retrospective box sets. That feels like a Criterion thing. It does. And I I don't know if it's a rights issue or there just aren't great elements or what the deal is, but that would be my my number one. Um, One of the other most neglected directors is Shuji Terayama, the Japanese surreal artist theater weirdo. He's made some feature films and a lot of shorts, and I would love to see a box set of his work. There used to be, so I'm. I haven't Damn, been, I like how all your answers are. Like, I need box sets. I, I only have two. I, I only have two box sets. The rest I restrained myself. But I haven't been on Facebook in years. But there used to be this guy every time Criterion would post what their new releases that month were going to be top comment he would be like where's your shuji Teriyama release <laughs> so whoever that guy is i'm with you buddy uh number three would be fassbender's sort of crazy western called whitey that is just amazing it's one of my favorite fassbender films it's very hard to see and maybe it's been released by now in some other country but I I don't think there's a Blu-ray release and there really needs to be. Another one would be the Kinji Fukasaku adaptation of Black Lizard, which I don't think... Whoa, that never got a release? I don't think so. Oh, that movie's awesome. So So there's also another version. So Black Lizard is this really, really amazing uh, novel from Edogawa Rampo, who it is one of like, if you're trying to read some Japanese fiction and you like horror, start with him. But there was another adaptation of Black Lizard from earlier in the 60s that came first. And I would love to see sort of a double feature release of those two. And then my last answer is Naked Killer. Oh, hell yeah. I had to have Simon Yam on the list. Yeah. Okay. The Master Geo asks, what do you consider the best rape revenge movie? Ooh, that's a great question. My answer is ms 45 but i also just i think rape squad rape squad rape squad's my answer Rape squad is like kind of my real answer it's rape squad (laughs) oh my god have we ever talked about that in an episode we need to do a rape revenge episode yeah we we will we will at some point i'm sure get a little more jingle bells no i need i need about three or four bars of jingle bells (laughs) all right all right uh okay from the patreon the 39 Ducks asks, what are some of your favorite film books? All right, I'm going to throw this to you because, all right, well, I'll, I'll do my answer because I, uh, I don't really uh, read film books. I, I, I did when I, was, when I was really young and I wanted to be a filmmaker. I read like uh, Lloyd Kaufman's Everything I Learned About Filmmaking that I Learned from the Toxic Avenger. That? I loved it. Uh, Robert Rodriguez's uh, Rebel Without a Crew. And Which is such a cute title. Easy Riders, Raging Bulls or something. I forget who wrote that one. And I read like Bruce Campbell's fucking... Oh, If Chins <laughs> if, Could Kill? If Chins Could Kill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love him. Yeah, he's great. Um, my go-to answer is always Immoral Tales by Cathal Towhill and Pete Toombs, the founder of Mondo Macabro. 
it's incredible. It introduced me to so many things, so many of my favorite directors. Um, my other go-tos, absolutely anything by Stephen Thrower. Uh, Roberto Curti, the Italian film scholar, I think is probably the only person you need to read on Italian cult cinema. And maybe if I had to pick one, my favorite academic film critic is Thomas L. Sacer, who is a German author and scholar and professor uh, who passed away a couple years ago, but he wrote some of the best books on like Fassbender and new German cinema, but also some German expressionist era stuff. Uh, this one is from Ty Poster Bliss. Oh Phil, boy. our old friend Phil. Phil asks, I'm pretty sure I know who this is directed to. Why don't you like Kubrick films? Wow, that's so funny. At the beginning of the episode, you're like, oh, The Shining was the scariest movie I've ever seen. It scared me so much when I was a kid. But you don't like Kubrick. You're you're famously not a Kubrick respecter. What's up with it's that? It's not that I'm not a Kubrick respecter. I definitely respect him. Do you and respect the amount of takes that he does with Shelley Duvall? No. You shouldn't <laughs> you shouldn't traumatize actors. But okay, so I feel like this question kind of ties in not not to double dip, but the giant be with you asked is there an auteur director that you think is a complete and total hack, which is we can follow that up. I don't think Kubrick is a hack. I think he's a great director. I respect his work. I really like The Shining. I always find his films to be really well made in a, such an inspiring way. They just leave me feeling really cold. And I still need to see Barry Lyndon. That's the one that I've been holding off for a screening, which of course there was one here last month. I just didn't make it to it. I just, it's kind of like how I feel about the Coen brothers. I don't think they're bad directors. I don't think they're hacks. I just watch their films and feel nothing. And, and so it's like, I don't even know that I can give you a critical reason for why. Like I watched Clockwork Orange a fucking thousand times when I was 12 or 13, which probably explains a lot. So it's not that I hate him, and if somebody tried to put on one of his movies, I would never say no. It just... You would definitely grumble a little, though. Uh, yeah, but I grumble about everything. Yeah. How do you feel about him? I like Kubrick. I mean, I, I, I grew up with his movies. They were definitely, like, my introduction to, like, fucking cinema, you know, in a lot of yeah. ways. I think 2001, A Space Odyssey is... A perfect movie. I love watching that shit. I've never seen the whole movie. It's so good. <laughs> oh my god. I love getting high and watching that movie. Especially if it's playing in like 70 millimeter. It's it's great. And uh I, I'm not a big fan of full metal jacket. I don't think that's very good. And some of his early stuff I, I'm not huge on. Like I don't love the killing. I don't love Paths of Glory. Yeah, I don't really like his film noir movies. Uh The Shining is great. But what else did he fucking make? I don't even know who Kubrick is. What else did he do? He wrote the script to AI. Oh, my God. That movie's awesome. It's one of the worst movies of all no, time. No, it's not. I it's fucking fine. hate Steven Spielberg just because of that. But Get okay. Let, so with this other question. Yeah, what was the other question? It's, is there an auteur director that you think is a complete and total hack? And I really struggled with this one because while there are some directors considered auteurs whose work I don't love... I don't think any of the classic ones are people I would describe as hacks. Like, I don't really like Peter Bogdanovich, but I still think he's talented. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, then who, who who's a hack? Come on, talk some shit. You love doing that. Okay, but I like how you're you're holding back now. Because you're not gonna like my answer. I don't care. Well, my answer is Christopher Nolan. Whatever. That's fine. I mean, he's a fucking genius, and you just don't understand what he's doing because it's like. It's big stuff. Because all know? the estrogen is flooding my brain. Yeah, and I you're, just can't a, you're, a, you're a simple woman who doesn't, doesn't know. But yeah, he's great. Okay. What auteur director do you dislike? Easy. Easy as pie. If you say Godard, I'm going to flip this table. Holy over. shit. I forgot about Godard. Yeah. Well, Godard for one. Um, but really, my, my easy answer is uh, Woody Allen. <gasps> yeah, Woody Allen's no good. That's not. How many? Okay. You need to before Yo, I have Oh my an god, well, are you going to say I need to watch more of his fucking movies because the answer is absolutely not. Like Anna and her sisters, you're no, you you're see, watching this it this every, November. Every single fucking time I talk shit on Woody Allen, someone always says like, "Oh yeah, but you haven't seen Manhattan yet." Or, you know, "Oh, well you need to see Crimes and Misdemeanors." Or You do. Oh no, you haven't seen Curse of the Jade Scorpion Tale? It's like, "Come on." Like He made a lot of movies. Exactly. And that's the fucking problem. Is that like, "Okay, I've seen like 5, 6, 7 his fucking movies i don't like them and it's like oh but you need to see the rest of okay, them and but it's like you, no, no you, what's you the just deal need here? To, you just need to see hannah and her sisters and if you don't like that then you can you know okay i mean like obviously the thing is is i'll never like fully write off any director well sure. that's not true i will zach snyder <laughs> zach snyder he's an auteur <laughs> yeah i've i've him written off no doubt okay he is indeed a hack and then again he was never really written on for me no although i did have a good time seeing 300 in theaters and like fucking smashing a beer can on my head and i mean stuff. 300 is one of the gayest movies i have ever seen yeah, and I, love... I respect it just for that reason hell yeah michael fassbender all oiled up <laughs> even if his abs are airbrushed on i don't care serve it up on a plate Tonight, we will dine on his abs in hell. Yeah, I'll eat his fucking ass in hell. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's, uh, let's, let's get a... What, what else do we got here? Okay, you know what? Our dear friend Liam. Oh, my God. Liam. <laughs> Liam, Liam, Liam. Liam, who runs the Cinepunks network that we are on, co-runs it. Uh, he sent us a couple questions. One or two. Or three or four. Which five I always or six actually I, I uh, always appreciate this because in my old job, when I would have to do like... Q&A events sometimes you just wouldn't get any questions and you'd have to make them up yourself and so having somebody who asks multiple questions it's like thank you all right well we got it we got a couple to pull from here <laughs> all right uh question one i want to hear more about sam's new hollywood beef uh, sam keep it short keep it short because i've heard this rant a thousand times and it's just like it's wrong it's uh, not wrong. Okay. In general, I don't really like new Hollywood movies for the same reason that I don't like a lot of Kubrick movies, which is they just leave me cold. And and new Hollywood and annoyed is like a movement that started in the. 60s it sort of or started 70s? with Bonnie and Clyde. That's okay. usually the so like mid sixties is when it started, and this is not an answer I enjoy giving because it seems really hypocritical. But I find a lot of the new Hollywood movies to be offensively misogynistic in a really cringy way. It's like they're trying to kick back against classic Hollywood, which I totally respect. I mean, the reason that we got the French New Wave is because you have all these young upstart journalists who are responding to what's called the cinema of quality, which is sort of like 
mainstream Oscar bait type of French studio films. And so I like I respect where they're coming from, but in their attempts to kind of embrace all the social changes that were happening, there are a lot of movies that have sexual themes and they're all about, you know, divorce and cheating and trouble in relationships. And a lot of them just have these asshole male protagonists that I fucking hate. And like, I am a person who loves Don't Go in the House. I love Water Power. So it's not like a movie will offend me just by being misogynistic. I think it's these movies sort of try to make themselves cooler than they are. Like, I, I don't know. Or they like try to be edgy in a way that it's like you're just not nailing it. Now, Liam's next question, I feel like, was directed at me. It sure was. Uh, It says, Charles, the last art movie you decided you liked despite its pretensions and one that sucks. Uh, And this kind of reminds me of the answer that you just gave where you were saying how you like, you know, the new wave in France. I like every new wave except for the Hollywood one. So I I don't. I, I don't like any of the fucking new wave movies or any any new wave things what about the japanese new wave yeah i don't like it i don't i i like all of the movies that were inspired by it like the exploitation movies that have these like elements that were pulled from it like all of the female prisoner movies that have like these like very artistic elements in there but when it's just this like non-linear story and it's it's not that it's non-linear because the directors are inept i love that I love Christopher it. Christopher Nolan. Oh, I, I love when there's like, you know, a bad horror movie that's like it's nonlinear because they don't know what a line looks like. You know, like to me, that's good stuff. But th- these like like artsy movies, they just like obfuscate things that are important. You know, they're trying to tell or they're trying to get across some sort of like political narrative or this important, you know, uh, thing and they're making it so you have to like do all of this work to decode it and it's just like to me it's just rude and it's not entertaining and when i watch a movie like i need to have a good fucking time you know and all of these messages can come across while you're also telling me about some diamond heist or something you know or like a fucking car that is killing people for some reason you know like you can get me to be like oh hey maybe communism's cool because I just saw a car run over a bunch. I, I don't know, man. I'm not a filmmaker. Okay, but... answer the question, though. Okay, okay. A uh, movie the you last... liked and a movie you didn't like. All right. Uh, what did I like? I mean, I like uh, I like the Hereditary guy, some sort of. Uh, do those count as art movies? I don't know. No, they no. do not count okay. as art okay. movies. Was the Suspiria remake an art movie? Oh, my God. I like that. You're being offensive on purpose. I don't know. This is This is a tough one. I mean, I like... Yadorowski, I mean, I like Lynch, but like those are guys who's like their art is entertaining and it's telling a story, but it's a story that like you lose the thread of and then you get the thread again and then it's a different, you're holding on to something different and like they're doing neat artistic things and they're keeping my attention the whole time. Uh, like Godard, at least what I've seen doesn't do that to be fair i've you only need to see contempt i yeah, there are yes there are a lot more movies i need to see that he's done but i i just i'm i'm a dumb guy you know i i admit it i i want to have a story or 
watch something that's so dumb that there is no story because they don't know what a story is. And that's cool. Twilight. Yeah. Well, no, there's CG- a story CGI there. baby. Everyone loves a CGI <laughs> baby. All right. Liam number three. <laughs> uh, are the 2000s a lost decade for weirdo movies or are there any gems for y'all? No, there's some good stuff in the 2000s. So Celeste de la Cabra also kind of asked a similar question about favorite post 2010 movies. And I just kind of combined my answers. She also asked, will we have her on the show? And the answer is yes, of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, and Klon, you can crash on our couch anytime you want. Yes. And if you crash on our couch, you have to be a guest on our show. Yeah. And we'll talk about Rob Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding we won't but, but to this question about the 2000s or the 2000 the 2010s or whatever they're called the teens uh i mean i think well especially in the 2000s that's when korea started popping off and and mike yeah. had a lot of gems in the 2000s i think for sure Kiyoshi I mean, kurosawa too yeah i mean to me i like a, some of his early i mean cure is the 90s i only really know his earlier stuff i don't know anything that he's done after isn't Pulse 2001, 2002? So I saw Pulse like during the J-Horror boom and I didn't really like it. But um, I'm like ready to watch it again now that I know him. I love Sweet Home, the movie he did in the 80s. We're getting off topic. But... We are. I also have a list. Okay, do your list because I'm just spitballing. Okay. Quite possibly, if I had to pick one, my favorite movie of the last 10, 15 years would be Magic Mike XXL. People are still making oh, good movies. Hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, movies are movies are okay. Movies aren't so bad. I just jotted down a couple of other things that I really, really like. Of course, Peter Strickland, who I talk about all the time. Duke of Burgundy and In Fabric are wonderful. Anushka Smoshinska, who directed The Lore. The Lore is great. She made a more recent film called Fugue that I also really love. Lucille Hajahalilovich made this film called Evolution that's kind of in the same vein as Cronenberg, but different and amazing. Personal Shopper, Under the Skin, Carol. Like, there are still great movies being made, as as much as I talk shit. All right, Liam, question four. Where should I, a known coward, get started <laughs> with Cat 3? Okay. I love this question. I do too. I would say, uh, I mean, I love Naked Killer, it's more of like an R-rated comic book than like a sleazoid true Cat 3. Eternal Evil of Asia is a good one when you have your friends around. That's a good party movie. But if you want like a more traditional Cat 3 that's good to like, you know, get your beak wet, uh, Run and Kill is kind of kind of tame, but it's a fucking Cat 3 movie, you know. But it's it's definitely a little easier to go down than some of the harder ones. And I think that's that's actually getting a Blu-ray Right now, from Error four 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 four, has one. Oh, and Erica from Unsung Horrors has a video essay. Yeah, all about dead kids. Oh man, you love to see it. You truly do. Buy her book. Buy that Blu-ray. But also, another thing you could do is just jump right in. You know, just go for it and watch Ebola syndrome. Do it tonight. It's no, amazing. don't start with Ebola syndrome. It's it's the last great one, so you, you got to save it. For yeah, you got to you got to build up. You're right. You're right. You're so, right. So, my answer, I have two answers. I think if you're a little more inclined to jump right in, you should start with Doctor Lamb. What? Because start with Doctor Lamb. Okay. So Doctor Lamb is not as explicit 
as Ebola syndrome or untold story or some of the other ones. Okay, sure, sure. I mean, it, I, it's pretty brutal. It's a that's a Sure, but jump right in. Jump in the deep end. You're yeah. not a baby. Well, I mean Liam is, but jump in the deep end. I'll push you in the deep end. Uh but my other answer would be another good place to start would be with some of the early 80s supernatural horror films that were retroactively given Category 3 ratings like Possessed 2 or Devil Fetus. Yeah. Because they are over the top, but they're not quite as mean and nasty. All right, Liam 5. Liam 5. Oh, my God, Liam. She jams with the death nerve, shared music loves, new obsessions, surprise favorites. He's asking about music. What music do you like, Sam? I don't listen to music at all. Okay, so... I listen to literally the the podcast intro. I listen to the Bay of Blood theme, and that's it. That's all I got. Yeah, I would say we don't have a ton of shared music loves. We both really love Tom Waits. Oh, that's true, yeah. We both love a lot of film score stuff that is super predictable, like, you know all the italian shit the other day sam was in a like a really bad mood and was like sulking around the house and i literally put on christmas music and she fucking lit up like well this is gonna be my answer for surprise favorites i love christmas music and we have literally been listening to it since before halloween even happened that's (laughs) well yeah well it was after the horathon so it felt like you know it was okay for me i would say my new obsessions I've been listening to some Akiko Wada, who is this amazing Japanese singer. She's also in some of the Pinky Violence movies. And if you listen to her albums from like the 60s, early 70s, there's a lot of great stuff in there. And as far as something like newer, I have been in kind of a musical rut because usually if I'm putting it on, it's I'm listening to something while I'm writing or walking and I tend to go to old favorites. But the only thing that really popped to the top of my head is the new SZA album, which I like a lot. It's sort of, it's it's very poppy, but also kind of gloomy, which is usually what I go for with pop music. All right, Liam Six. Give us one rant you have not gotten into on the pod yet, but one to. Liam, I am not your dancing monkey, okay? I don't just do tricks because you ask. I am working on not ranting and being a more positive person. I don't want to shit talk just because you fucking asked, okay? Fuck Cinepunks. You're more like Cineskunks because you stink. All right, all right. Liam Seven, talk shit on Justin Haunt Love, just for me. Well, I know I just said I uh, am trying to turn a new leaf and I'm not trying to talk shit, but uh, Justin Haunt Love... The designer. Yeah, here's my rant. Where the hell is our Twitch of the Death Nerve shirt that Justin is has agreed to design? Your designs attacky, Justin. They're no good. <laughs> we love we love Justin. <laughs> yeah, I can't talk shit on Justin. He's great. Sorry, Liam. Yeah, Liam, if you want us to talk shit on Justin, you need to come to next year's twenty four hour horrorathon. Yeah. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? I'll I'll Dan I'll do whatever you want if you come to the horrorathon. I love you. All right. All right. Scott Burton Music asks. Who is your favorite member of the UN clan? So we should probably explain to people what the UN clan is. Uh, so in Hong Kong, it was sort of a tradition, not in Hong Kong, in China. It was a tradition that when you work under a certain teacher or master that you you take their name on while you're doing work in their spirit. Like say, Which is so nice. It I is love very it. nice. It is very nice. So... UN, who was the original UN? 
Oh my God, what do I know? I don't know anything. Yu Jim Yuan. Okay, so that that was the originator. Yeah, Yu Jin Yuan is the master of a number of the Seven Little Fortunes. Gotcha. And that includes like Sammo Hung and Jackie Jackie Chan. Chan. Corey Yuan, Yuan Hua, Yuan Bao. Yeah. And and whenever and there you, are a couple other there's a bunch yeah there, there, there's tons there's and, and whenever you see UN in like the credits the movie's gonna be a banger it's gonna be great you know the the, the stunts are gonna be awesome um, I have to go with the classic answer UN Bao or UN Bu he's just he's awesome writing wrongs is so good Dreadnought is one of the greatest kung fu movies ever made I think that of the like the three big heavy hitters which is you know Sammo Hung, Jackie Chan, Yuan Biu, Yuan Bao. Uh he's the best. He's like the most talented one. He's just he's so good. He's so good. I love him. He's just it's like even if the movie he's in isn't great, he's breathtaking every time and my new favorite game is movies that he's in he sometimes will step in to do the really challenging stunt work for female performers including Cynthia Rothrock like basically anytime somebody has to do a flip and land on their back it's almost always him stepping in and sometimes especially with blu-ray restorations you can see that it's him it's just like him in a wig and in the costume that the female performer was wearing but in the interest of not giving a repeat answer, as much as I love Corey Yuan, who's a great actor, a great director, Yuan Hua really does not get enough credit. No, he's awesome. And he... He's so good. He, but he also has this very kind of like casual, nonchalant air that yeah. makes you think he's just this like squirrely guy in the background. And then he steps into a fight scene and you're so, like, what the fuck? So often he is like a villain character who you just think of as like a guy pulling strings. And then he has a fight scene at the end of the movie and you're like, holy shit. Like I had no idea you could do this. Cause he's like this, he's like skinny, like a pencil. And he's like, Often has a pencil mustache. Yeah, and he has like he's like effeminate and tittering, especially in Eastern Condors, where he's just he's all. I mean, that movie's awesome, but oh, like he's so good. Yeah, he he really is someone who you always discount, and then he fucking goes to town. Yeah, you and you and Wah is great. Yeah, and I would say if you need an introduction to Yuan Wah other than Eastern Condors, I highly recommend The Iceman Cometh, which pits. Yuan Bao against Yuan Hua, and they travel through time, and Maggie Chung is there, and Corey Yuan is actually also there. It's wonderful. All right. Our boy, Crispy Bacon 692 can you remember your first time in a movie theater and what movie you saw? His was Space Jam. Remember your first uh, movie theater experience? So I do. I, and I'm sure this wasn't my actual first experience, but my first vivid memory Once again, thanks to my horrible mother, when I was four years old, I went to see Predator in the theater, and it was fucking terrifying, but in a way where I was like, okay, I'm going to be ready to revisit this in a few years. Damn. Wow. Mine sucks. Yeah, don't take your four-year-old to Predator, please. Wow. Mine was, uh, was sitting on the floor in like the basement where they were projecting 
Snow White. I, I'm sure my actual first one was some like Disney movie that got yeah. remastered. Or I something. I only like the reason why like this was my like first memory of watching a movie and it wasn't even like really a theater. It was like a uh. It wasn't like a basement of someone's house. It was like some building where, I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea what the fuck it was. I was a child, like a, a small kid. But I remember there was this girl who had like a cut on her forehead. And I had a crush on her the whole night. <laughs> and I was like in love with this girl who had this like Band-Aid on her head. And I was like, oh, where's Band-Aid head? And I was like like looking for her all night. And I was watching, you know, I was like sitting next to her watching Snow White. And uh, I, I hope you're doing okay wherever you are, Band-Aid head. I still love you. all right all right okay what do you got one of my favorite questions and i have like a million answers to this so you might have to go first this is from bren wilpon what is the best movie of 1982 oh shit this is like an oh, unfair shit. question. There is not That's one awesome. best movie. Well, hang 1982 on. is a fucking banger year for movies. So hang on, hang on. I, I remember the, the actual question wasn't that. He wrote, uh, best movies from 1982 doing a screening for my birthday. I feel like that puts it in slightly different context. Okay. Uh, only because I take, uh, every year we do uh, a marathons on our birthdays where we like, you know, curate movies. All right, 1982 is a fucking banner year. Tons of awesome movies. You got The Thing. You got Tenebrae. You got fucking Conan the Barbarian. Cue the Winged Serpent. I, I mean, the list goes New York Ripper, Five Element Ninjas, Vice Squad. Holy shit. Like, 1982, huge year for movies. But I feel like what one thing that I do on my birthday marathons is I like to spelunk. You know, I like to dig. And see new things yeah so i always pick movies that i've never seen so it's kind of a gamble but also but also that's how we saw the fucking aladdin movie that i will not stop oh talking God. about ever I on this podcast until promised. we do an aladdin episode so i guess the movies that i would put on my list i'm, I'm gonna do a few that I, I i've never seen before that if it was my birthday and it was all 1982 movies i would have white dog on there white dog is Samuel Fuller? Uh, yeah, yeah. It looks gnarly. I've heard, like, crazy shit about it. It's about this, like, racist-ass dog who's, like, trained to, like, attack black people. And I, I don't know. It, it seems like it's, like, a serious movie and, like, not just, like, an exploitation film, but it sounds fucking... Well, I mean, Samuel Fuller is hard to not be obsessed with. Uh, I would also watch Firefox. I've never seen that before. That's the one where uh, Clint Eastwood's got to, like, steal... Oh, this like military plane or something never seen that movie uh one from the heart i've never seen that because the tom waits sound yeah we were saying earlier that we're tom waits fans that's like my least favorite tom waits thing same but uh, i've just i've heard lots of good stuff about it so i'm kind of curious about yeah, that one. i wonder if we watch the movie if we will like the soundtrack more I've never seen Manhattan Baby, Lucio Fulci movie. That was 1982. You're I, probably safe without that one. I still, I, I want to knock it off the list. 48 Hours, you ever see that? The one with Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy? No. Yeah, never seen that shit. Isn't that a Kiefer Sutherland TV show? No, that's 24. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> the Miracle Fighters. Yo, what's the Miracle Fighters? See, you got to go dig. Oh, another UN, UN Wu-Ping. He's one of the big ones. Wow. He's the guy that does like the fight choreography for like the Matrix, what he's famous for. He's did this oh, movie yeah. called The he's, Miracle Fighters. He's great. 
Oh, whoa. Okay, okay. Let's see. Let's see what Justin DeClue, my favorite guy on uh, Letterboxd, says. The UN clan are the direct descendants and equals of Georges Millet? Georges Méliès. Yeah, who's that? Georges Méliès is one of the first ever filmmakers. He's certainly the first person to do genuine special effects. He's the guy who shot that Mission to the Moon Oh. Like traveling to the moon movie, he shot lots of stuff involving Satan and witches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. He shot some of the first ever horror movies, even Damn. though they're like a minute long. Yeah, Justin DeClue says the UN clan are direct descendants of him and equals. I agree. Uh, yeah, I agree too. Yeah, they're fucking. There's tons of shit in 1982. What's this? Oh, I've never seen Cat People. Oh, The Border, Dragon Lord. What the fuck is this thing? What the hell's Dragon Lord? Oh, Human Lanterns. I've seen that. Human Lantern's a banger. Oh, the Postman Fights Back. That's one with uh, uh, our boy Chai Yun Fat doing some shit. Mm. Yeah, there's tons of shit, man. Oh my god, I wanna, I wanna watch movies. I wanna watch movies so bad. All right, what do you got? Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm stealing all the time. Okay, so 1982 is the year of several of my favorite movies. Number one, my favorite childhood movie, The Last Unicorn, which might still be my favorite movie Hell ever. Yeah. Number two, New York Ripper. Number three, Tenebrae. Number four, Pieces. Whoa, Pieces it, was 82? It's also the year of Beastmaster, Halloween oh. 3, Extro, Amityville 2, Draftsman's Contract, which is one of my favorite Peter Greenaway movies, and Living Dead Girl, which is a great Jean Roland film. Damn. And that's just like off the top of my head. Damn. It's a great year for movies. It you, is. It's, it would be hard to go wrong. Yeah, if, this, this marathon is going to be awesome. But after theme. you do the marathon, tell us what movies you watched or you screened or, or what have you that sounds like a lot of fun uh the next one is not a question but sean f trainer says just do another cat three episode oh yeah yeah all right all right okay. well, we will no problem we're kind of we're, we're kind of cooking one maybe maybe a cat three christmas episode i kind of want to yes. do so i want to do a cat two b episode because there's so many cat two b movies that like are great that i feel like you know shine a light shine a light on the the rating just below cat three that are, are okay but if we do a cat 2b episode we have to copy off of bruce holchak oh uh, we're with stealing his episode oh. or with his essay title which is it's like cat 2b or not to no 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 something. it's cat three or not to be or, or no or it's cat to be or not to yeah 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 i don't know great essay title great, great essay title. that's you can find that in the made in hong kong box set that vinegar syndrome put out <laughs> all right we gotta holy shit how long have we been going on for oh we've been going on forever we have a million more questions we have some really good ones i feel really bad that we haven't gotten to all of them well let's just do one more and then and then it's the happy hour we'll, we'll do okay how about Laura Irvine's question? Which one's that? Where's that? Under the Patreon. Okay, yeah. Uh, Patreon, Laura Irvine asks, you have the opportunity for a long... Whoa, this is, this question's awesome. Okay. She she also recently <laughs> sent in an amendum. All right, well, all right here, you, you read it. This is a great question. Okay, so Laura Irvine asks, you have the opportunity for a long weekend holiday with one actor, one director, one author, and one musician living or dead. And she wrote in recently while we started recording, adding one visual artist to this list. You can go to any place in the world, any time period. Where do you go? Who do you bring? What do you do? 
This is the question that I spent the most wow. time thinking about because otherwise I would just agonize over the answers. But my answer is... All right, one actor. Oliver Reed. One director. Serge Gainsbourg. One author. Uh, Werner Herzog. <laughs> Wait, an author? He's written many books. You're cheating. That's fucking cheating. Serge Gainsbourg <laughs> is also a musician. <laughs> You're fucking cheating. I'm cheating. Okay, okay, okay. And you want to know who my musician is? And your is? musician. Mako Kaji. <laughs> she is a musician. <laughs> That's not fair. You're, that is such a cheat. <laughs> okay. And my, my visual artist is going to be Salvador Dali because I didn't think about that one ahead of time and I'm on the spot. Uh, and we would have our weekend getaway in Dracula's castle in the 70s. So before cell phones... You're just trying to fuck all these people. You're trying to have a horny-ass party. Okay, well, we would have quaaludes. Oh, okay, okay. We would have We're absinthe. not fucking on quaaludes. We would Maybe hold a seance... Well, it's a whole weekend. Yeah, okay. We would hold a seance and try to resurrect Dracula. Great. Wow. So it sounds fun, right? It sounds really fun. Oh, my gosh. I don't... I'm not going to be able to top that. I should have gone first. I don't have anything. <laughs> oh, no. That's, that's awesome. Okay, one... One, one actor. actor, Tom Cruise. One, di- <laughs> one director. One director, Christopher Nolan. Uh, one author. Tch, easy peasy. Brett Easton Ellis. I was going to say Stephen King, but that's, that's fine too. <laughs> well, you're going kind of no, no, no. no. I'm, so I'm just, far. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's it's J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling what? would be the, the one author. I just want to hang out with her. She seems nice. You know. uh, <laughs> she does put women first. She does. Uh, <laughs> uh, ki- totally kidding for anyone who did not yeah, get the irony know. We here. Know. We, we hate know. her. Okay. <laughs> One musician. One musician. Um, oh, shit. Who's the guy that's in that band 30 Seconds to Mars? Oh, my God. Stop it. Jared Leto. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, like, what isn't visual art? This is tough. Uh, Banksy. <laughs> great. I, I don't want to say that because you just said it. Um, I'm going to come up with my own visual artist, and I'm going to say Banksy. <laughs> and where would you go? And what would the time period be? Oh, um, we yeah. would... Location and time period. Gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. We would go to Philadelphia four years ago. Oh, damn. Yeah. What, what would you do? We would hang out outside of the uh, the DNC, and we would we would protest. Or how many? However many years ago when Hillary had her DNC there. So that was more than four years ago. That was a long time ago. That was seven years ago. So seven years ago, and we're going to protest Hillary Clinton. Would you take a selfie in front of that huge Bernie Sanders mural that somebody painted in South Philly? Oh my God, we would piss all over whatever Bernie Sanders mural there is, <laughs> and and we would uh, we would <laughs> I don't know I can't keep this joke going. All right, all right. We have uh, a lot more really great questions that we're going to get to in our happy hour episode. So tune into that if you are on the Patreon, and if you're not on the Patreon, please please sign up. It'll be it'll be fun. Yeah, three dollars and you can listen to the extra episode. Really? I thought it was six bucks. It's six bucks for oh no, you're right. Yeah, six bucks. Yeah, no, no. You gotta be gotta dig deep into those pockets. (laughs) Three dollars if you want. I don't even know what the the tears are. I I do, I do. Three dollars you can listen to our episodes a week early. That's what it's and and all essays and all the essays that you have and, and stuff like that. But and then all the other content is six dollars. Yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta fork over. 
fork it, fork it over. But also, here's the thing: if you're a cheap piece of shit like me, uh, you can just sign up for a month and then like binge all of our content and then just dip. You know, like I actually don't have too many people who do that, which I am really appreciative of. Yeah, but you can do it if you want to. We don't give a shit. Do what you got. No, do. I mean, do what you got. Do you don't got any money? You don't got any money? You want to listen to the the, the the dumb movie show? You know, there you go. That's what you just 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 hit and run. Do what you got to do. But uh, please feel free to subscribe for the rest of your lives. You know. All right, all right. That's enough of this shit. Let's uh, let's you know crack a beer and then get to some more questions. There's some real good ones that we did not get to. Yeah, there are so many. Oh, great damn, ones. we didn't even get to Nikki the Fox's question. Oh shit. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye.